I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter. And it feels good to be back. I know you guys have had episodes kind of on a regular schedule, or as regular as my schedule's gotten so far, but remember I recorded those last two podcasts back-to-back on the same day, so it's been really pretty close to 10 days, I think, since I recorded, and I've kind of missed you guys, so I'm glad to be back. I've been doing a little sewing lately, nothing really impressive at all. Um, I did post pictures on the blog, so I'm not even going to bother talking about that here. I do have a recommendation I want to make, however. I've been reading a lot of quilting blogs and trying to find new ones in the last few days, and I've run across one that maybe some of you know about, but if you don't, you need to. It's by Leah Day, D-A-Y, of Daystyle Designs, and her blog is freemotionquilting.blogspot.com. Leah Day is a very talented machine quilter, and she has challenged herself to come up with a new free motion filler design every day. And she started back in August, I think, and she's posted a new design just about every day since then. Um, She provides pictures, a description, and then what I like best about this is she does a short YouTube video for each one so that you can actually watch her hands as she moves the machine, or I'm sorry, as she moves her fabric for this pattern. And it's really educational. It's been helpful. I've not tried any of her patterns yet, but just by virtue of watching her machine quilt, I'm getting a better sense of what my own rhythm and speed needs to be. She also has other videos available through YouTube and a DVD on free motion quilting that you can purchase. And I will put a link to her blog on the show notes to this episode. Okay, so riddle me this, Batman. Is it true stash busting if, when I decide to make a bunch of small projects, like tote bags, purses, that kind of thing, to use up my stash. I then have to go out and drop over a hundred bucks on the rest of the supplies. Somehow, that doesn't quite seem like I'm all that far ahead. This has been kind of an issue these last few days. I've decided, okay, I'm going to do some stash busting. However, I didn't want to start any really big new projects. I am still working on the UFOs that I inherited when my mom passed away, and I've also got some of my own UFOs that got put on the back burner. I'm now almost done with mom's. I'm I'm down to maybe having two or three more um, to finish up, and then I can tackle my own again. And boy, do I want to start 2011 with no UFOs on my shelf. So I'm really focusing on trying to get these UFOs done. So I don't want to start any big projects. So I decided then to just do little projects like purses and tote bags. So I've been collecting um, patterns for a while, and I've got some books and such already on the topic, and decided a few days ago I would go out and buy the supplies that I needed for several patterns I'd picked out that I'd really like to make. And my idea was to sort of create myself several kits and just put everything together in one place, and then whenever I had time I could just grab one of these self-made kits off the shelf and be ready to rock and roll. So I went out, I took every one of these patterns, and I went to um, Joann's to pick up the various types of uh, interfacings and fusibles and all that kind of thing that I needed to get. And let me tell you right now, there are just way too many types of interfacing and batting and stabilizer out there. Now, batting I'm pretty familiar with, so... 
that I was able to say, okay, well, this person is requiring this particular kind of batting. I don't have any of that kind. Yeah, I can see where that would be useful, and I'd go ahead and buy it. But I don't know as much about interfacing fusers, stabilizers, fusibles and stabilizers, that kind of thing. I've not done much if anything, (laughs) that really required any of those. I'm a little more familiar with fusibles. I'm okay with those. But the whole interfacing stabilizer world is really a strange and foreign one to me. Um, I do not come to quilting out of a seamstress background. I hate making clothes. You know, one of those traumatic home ec episodes in eighth grade, I guess, (laughs) or whatever it was. I've never made clothes, never sewed my kids' Halloween costumes or anything. I just hate doing that kind of stuff. So I don't really have a clue when it comes to any of those kinds of products. And each designer on these patterns, every single one asks for something different. Now, I approach quilting in a lot of cases the same way I do making recipes. The first time I make a recipe, I will make it exactly the way it's written. After that, all bets are off. I will mess with it as much as I choose to. But I really want to make it the right way, or the way that you know it's designed to be made that first time so that I really get a sense of what it's supposed to be. Uh, the same is true with a quilt pattern. If I try to use a quilt pattern for the first time, I really do try to use it the way it's been written the first time to just get a feel for, okay, this is why they decided to do it that way or whatever. Plus figuring maybe I'll pick up some tips on the way. So I have decided to go ahead, and as much as I was able to, I found exactly what each design or each pattern called for. I'm also assuming that this means this will be my way of learning. So by using all these different types of interfacings and stabilizers and that kind of thing, um, I will then become much more fluent in the language of that particular product and in the future then would be able to make those decisions for myself and know what I could substitute where. But I will say I'm not the only person with this opinion. I've had conversations with other quilters who find, uh, you know, the whole world of fusibles and interfacing stabilizers, that kind of thing, very confusing. Uh, There's just too many choices. So anyway, that was sort of my rant for the week. I want to let you know, I have an interview coming up that I'm very, very excited about. Early next week, I'm going to be doing an interview with an AQS certified appraiser. And that's going to make at least one, maybe two, quite possibly three, depending on how long we talk, episodes of this podcast uh, coming up. And I'm really excited about this. I worked with Beth um, when I found some antique quilts in my mom's closet of her house after she passed away that I didn't even know she owned. Um, I will talk more about those antique quilts later, maybe even do an entire episode around them at some point. But I immediately... Uh, did my research, found a quilt appraiser, and took them to her because I had no idea how old these quilts were. And I found myself so completely fascinated by the conversation. It was probably a couple hours, and I didn't even know how long the conversation had gone on. And so I have uh, asked her if she'd be willing to let me interview her. We are going to talk not only about antique quilts, but we're going to talk about appraising contemporary quilts, why you might want to have your quilt appraised, what sort of circumstances would warrant that, and what you need to know about appraisals, that kind of thing. Uh, Plus, we will talk about antique quilts and what you can learn from fabrics, etc., and um, probably a whole bunch of other things. And what I want to do is ask you for your questions. So if you've got questions that you've always wanted to ask an appraiser, email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com or you can talk to me through the Big Tent group and I'll give you all that information at the end, how to contact me in various ways. Um, 
but give me your questions and they will come into the interview. I do have to ho- tell you, however, this is very short notice because the interview is scheduled for Monday, uh, Monday, May 10th, and I'm recording and posting this episode on Friday, May 7th. So you don't have a whole lot of time. So type fast, send me your questions fast if you can. And that episode will hopefully probably be next week. I'm looking forward to that. I am so thrilled and thankful to all of you who have subscribed to this podcast. That's really, really amazing (laughs) to me. I never expected it, so I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And I do especially appreciate everybody who takes the time to um, comment or to email to me about the episodes, because I really, really want this to be a conversation. I don't want it to be a monologue. Uh, It's bad enough that I have to listen to myself talking for the half hour or so that I'm doing the episode. (laughs) I really want you to talk back to me. Please give me some company. Um, A few comments that have been left recently. Kathy clarified the whole locker hook rug thing for us. Uh, If you'll remember, I shared some I shared a comment that Kathy had left on a previous episode about locker hook rugs, and I was unfamiliar with that. And so she did leave a comment that clarified it. They're hooked rugs that use strips of fabric rather than yarn and sort of a crochet hook style uh, tool that you use to hook the fabric. It does sound like a fantastic way to use scraps, although she did warn me that she was using 11 yards of fabric, I think she said, for the project she was currently working on. That is definite stash buster potential there. Uh, Thanks so much, Kathy. And I did Google some images, like you suggested. They are very, very pretty. Um, So any of you who are interested in locker hook rugs, you can look that up on Google or check in with Kathy. She posted the comment on the show blog for, I believe, episode 007. She may have also left the clarification on 008. Um, So you can check it out there. Francis suggested that she'd like to see me do a podcast episode at some point on color and value. And Francis, I live to serve. I've already started making myself some notes on this. Um, As soon as Francis made the suggestion, I thought, oh, yeah, cool, that would be fun. And I immediately started jotting some notes. So stick around. That episode will come up soon. I had a great email from Vivian. Thanks so much, Vivian. I love getting emails about quilts. It helps counterbalance all the worky emails I have to wade through every day. Vivian is a passionate scrap quilter. Passionate! scrap quilter and she sent me a picture of how she organizes her scrap projects in ziploc bags now vivian if you're listening to this i forgot to ask can i post the picture in my blog um vivian's also a blogger i'll post a link to her blog with the picture if she gives me permission otherwise i'll just post a link to her blog and and that does remind me that any of you who have your own quilting blogs please send me an email or leave it in the comments or whatever let me know i really enjoy reading quilting blogs on my lunch break i have a lot of them that i do try to keep track of um and if you send me your blog link i will share that with others too so any of you bloggers out there here's the call send me your links um and thanks again to everybody who posted comments i'm not able to mention all of them here but keep them coming i love reading them Now, we had another offering up to the You Know You're a Quilter When page from Francis. You know you're a quilter when you examine the interesting pattern in the concrete floor of the airport parking garage and think, wow, that would make a good quilting design. And guess what? It did. And Francis, I'm still waiting for that picture. (laughs) Francis had mentioned to me that she's done, um, that she used the inspiration of a parking garage for a quilting design. And she has promised me a picture and I've yet to get it. So everybody listening to this, send Francis some naggy thoughts right now. (laughs) And Francis, I'm, I'm really waiting for that picture. Thanks a lot and looking forward to seeing it. 
Everybody, remember to leave your comments and your contributions to the You Know You're a Quilter When page, as well as your fave quilt stores on the Quilt Store page. And also please leave comments on iTunes for this podcast, uh, because your comments help other people decide if this is a podcast they want to listen to, too. So, pod quilters, on to the content for this episode in which we get creative. I'm going to start out by laying my pet peeve on the table. Don't you ever let me hear you say, I'm not creative. I've heard people say that, and it just sets my teeth on edge. I want you to stop what you're doing right now. Well, unless you're driving, keep driving. <laughs> but in, I'm going to leave a moment of silence here, and I want you to all say out loud, I am creative. Okay, so here's your moment of silence. I don't care where you are. You could be in the middle of a mall doing some mall walking. I don't care if you're standing in the middle of your family room with your kids. When you're listening to this, I want you to say, when I leave that moment of silence, I am creative. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Okay, good. Now we got that out of the way. You're all creative. Creativity is simply looking at something in a new way. We tend to put creativity up on this pedestal, or we tend to very narrowly define it to certain sort of artistic expression. That's not creativity. Creativity is really just looking at something in a new way. Solving a problem at work is being creative. Having an argument, I'm sorry, having a discussion with your teenager and coming up with a workable solution, that's being creative. Getting a toddler to do what you want them to do, that's creative. Making dinner is creative. Making a quilt from a pattern but putting together fabrics in your own way, that's creative. I can't draw worth a lick, but I still consider myself a creative person. All right, creativity is just looking at something in a new way. The other thing creativity is, is creativity is having no fear. A lot of us get all stopped up by fear. We may not see it as such, we may not name it as such, but it's time here to name it and claim it. It's fear that stops you from expressing yourself creatively. It's fear that stops you from admitting that you're a creative person. It's fear that stops you from trying that new technique, that new skill, that new thing, whatever it is, that's fear. Creativity is looking at something in a new way, and creativity is having no fear. Okay, those are the two definitions right off the bat. So how do you release your own creativity? First, get over yourself. Okay, get over yourself. We are our own worst enemies. Remember that whole fear thing I just mentioned. We get in our own way more than anything else gets in our way. Okay, let's all hear that right now. And I'm including myself in that we get in our own way. So we really need to get over ourselves. We tend to let so much come between us and our creativity. And that just needs to stop. We need to let our inner child come out and play as it said, okay? So get over yourself. Stop taking yourself so seriously. Remember to just have fun. Remember when quilting was fun? (laughs) Okay, we need to regain those days. Quilting is fun, people. It's not involved in remembering 15,000 rules and stressing over each little stitch, okay? It's fun. And I can guarantee you that the more fun you have, the more your skills will improve. Okay, I, I can I can guarantee that. 
I feel comfortable putting a 100% mark on that one. Another way to release your own creativity, remember, it's only fabric. Okay, how many times have you gotten yourself all bunched up in knots over making that first cut or doing something without having figured out every last angle of it because you love the fabric you're about to use and you hate to ruin it? Okay, my response to that one, so what? So what if you ruin it? Usually you can salvage even the ruined bits and use them some other way. If not, it's a great excuse to go out and buy new fabric. For as much as you love this fabric, with no insult or offense to that particular fabric intended, you'll fall in love with another one soon enough. There are always other fabric fish in the sea. Now, I have to apologize. I don't remember where I came across this comment recently. I've either read it in an article or heard it on a podcast. I apologize that I don't remember the specifics. But whoever it was said that she'd rather get enjoyment out of using her fabric now than save it for that perfect project and never end up using it, only to have it sold for cents on the dollar at an estate sale after she's gone. Now, that really hit home with me. Okay, I do have a lot of fabrics on my shelf that have been there for years because they're gorgeous and I haven't wanted to make that first cut. So when I read that reference to fabric being sold for cents on the dollar after she was gone, it really hit home because I just sold a lot of my mom's fabric at an estate sale. I definitely feel that one. So it's only fabric. Use it up. Have a great time. Buy more later. Another way to release your own your creativity is to regularly try new things. Human beings tend to be creatures of habit. It's a little bit easy and a little bit comfortable for us to get stuck in ruts. The best way to release our creativity is to constantly, what I call, inject newness into our lives. Try new things. Go new places. Meet new people. Talk to new quilters. Inject newness in your life any way that you can on a regular basis. I'm going to stop right here and give you a little mini challenge this week. I've got a better challenge coming on later. Um, But to get yourself ready for that other challenge, I'm going to challenge you right now. Do something new this week. I don't care what it is. (laughs) I really don't care what it is as long as it's new. Maybe you just drive to work taking a new route this week. Maybe you try a new food for dinner. Maybe you go to a new restaurant. Um, Maybe you try buying a shirt in a color that you've never worn before. I don't care what it is. Whatever gives you that sense of new and different, um, do it. That actually helps you become more creative. Another thing, actually, that helps you become more creative, and for fear of this becoming the diet and exercise podcast series, I do want to tell you exercise. Okay, and I'm Again, I'm saying this as much to myself as to everybody else. Exercise really does help your creativity. It helps the way you think. It helps your concentration. Your blood needs to pump through your brain to get your brain to work. Okay, that's really kind of how it works. Your brain needs blood. Your brain needs oxygen. And it gets those things through exercise. Um, I tell you right now, I have a very, very sedentary job. I sit on my tuchus in front of a computer eight to ten hours a day. I work from home, so I don't even have that parking lot walk. I don't even have the option of walking down the stairs to somebody else's office. I do everything by email and conference call. So I have to be very, very intentional about getting exercise in my life. I'm not always good at it. I do it for weeks at a time, and then I kind of slack off for a couple of weeks. But I'll tell you right now, I know when I don't exercise, I turn into a slug. 
I stop thinking, I get a little cranky, I'm definitely less creative. So here's the call right here. Exercise does great things for your body, but it also does great things for your mind. So get out there and exercise. And here's a little hint. If you're doing cardio and like to listen to music, have you checked out Bollywood music, that great music from Indian movies? That is wonderful cardio stuff. So check that out. Okay, I digress. Another way to release your creativity, do something else for a while. Okay, so you've hit a creative block. Sometimes we hit them. There's two schools of thought about this. One school of thought is that when you hit a block, you just work through it. You take 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, whatever. You just make sure you keep plugging away at it, and eventually you'll have worked through it, and the inspiration will come back, and you're good to go. The other school of thought is to just walk away. Now, I'll tell you, I've used both of these techniques in my life, not just in terms of quilting, but in terms of other areas where I need to be creative and thinking and kind of on, shall we say. I've tried the plow through technique. Sometimes that's worked. Usually it doesn't. Usually I just get more and more frustrated as I go. I tend to more live in the school of thought of just walk away. There's also something to be said for letting your brain work on a problem on its own without you getting in the way. I call it brewing. If I need to, shall we say, write an article or something and I'm kind of stuck on what I'm going to write about, I'll do some thinking about it. I'll do a little research, whatever I need to do. And then I walk away. I do something else for a while. And nine times out of ten, and it usually doesn't even take all that long, suddenly ideas start popping into my head because I've stopped thinking about it. You know how when you're trying to come up with the name of a song and it comes to you suddenly at three o'clock in the morning, that's exactly what that is. If you are stuck, if you're working on a quilt project and you are just stuck, take a deep breath, get all the information you need to have in your head, look at it, look at the quilt, look at what the problem is, try to name and address to yourself what your question is, what you're struggling with, and then put it down and walk away and do something else for a while. And I can pretty much guarantee you that those ideals will start coming again soon. Sometimes it actually helps to take up a different hobby for a while. Knitting is very popular with quilters. There's an or quilting is popular with knitters. I don't know, chicken egg kind of thing. There's a lot of knitters who are quilters and vice versa. Um, Watercolor painting, jewelry making, gardening, whatever. Sometimes just learning something new will have a direct and positive impact on our quilting or on whatever other project we're working on. Learning something new forces our brains to make new neuron connections. I don't know if I'm using the right word. I'm not a neurosurgeon. I'm not a a neurologist. Uh, But learning something new forces brains to make new connections that will eventually come back and spark ideas for your quilting again. So those are all some ideas about how to release your creativity, how to ins- how to get yourself into more of a creative frame of mind. But let's talk a little bit now about where you find inspiration. Now let's we'll get out of the way right off the the ones that we all know. Okay, quilt magazines, quilt books, quilt shows, show and tell at Guild, and so forth. Those are all fantastic sources of inspiration. I use them all. I rely heavily on all of them. I love them all. But I want to spend time talking about the things maybe you haven't thought about quite as obviously. What are some other sources of creative inspiration? Oh, let's talk about the outdoor world. Mother Nature is a fantastic source of inspiration. Look at the colors in the landscape. Did you ever look at a garden and say, oh, that clashes, or I can't believe she put those two plants next to each other? No, 
I mean, generally, you're just thrilled with all the colors and shapes. We love seeing gardens in complete riots of color. So why not take those colors, that feel of that garden, as inspiration in our quilts? Um, look at the shapes of architecture. There's tiles, there's mosaics, there's the repetition of windows, there's gables, there's all sorts of wonderful inspiration in architecture. Uh, Francis's garage floor quilt is a wonderful example of this, if we ever get the picture, Francis. Okay, even just a feel of something. A photo of a baby giggling might inspire you to make a silly happy quilt. A particular song might give you a feel that you want to capture. Novels. I'm a huge Jane Austen fan. About a year ago, one of my sisters sent me a collection of half-yard reproduction fabrics from the Jane Austen collection. Someday, I might do a reproduction quilt in honor of Jane. I'm not normally somebody who loves doing the reproduction stuff, but, you know, it's Jane. I would do it. So that's getting your inspiration from a novel. What's your favorite song? Maybe that'll inspire a quilt. What's your favorite place? Can that inspire a quilt? Um, For me, walking through the woods in the fall... Uh, the colors on the leaves, the smell of the, the wet grass, the sound of the leaves crackling underfoot, maybe some wood smoke on the air from a fireplace somewhere. Oh, sorry, channeling. Fall's my favorite time of year. Uh, but I find fall very inspirational when it comes to quilts. There are any number of places you can find inspiration if you just open yourself up, if you look at things with new eyes. Um, in creativity, again, it's just about the way you look at things, okay? So, there are a lot of resources out there about creativity, about creative inspiration. Um, I'm not going to take the time in this episode to actually talk through all of them, but I am going to post several recommendations in the show notes for this episode at the quilter.podbean.com site. Um, If you have your own fave resources to add, please leave them in the comments. Share the wealth. Let us all know what you found helpful for you, and maybe somebody else will find it just as helpful. And the ones that I'm going to post, I will let you know that some of them are um, more geared at the business world because again that's I do some of those kinds of creativity exercises but those are books that I've found very very helpful in that Um, but I do also have a couple that are specific to quilting that I'm going to post I don't want to discount though before you think I'm saying this I don't want to discount quilt shows quilt magazines books etc if you saw my shelves you'd know I look to those things for a lot of inspiration Um, but I do want to give you a cautionary note here is an I know myself moment when I am looking at clothes in a catalog or online um, frequently I will end up ordering the color that the model in the picture is wearing uh, because just seeing it on the model you kind of get that image embedded in your head seeing a picture of a quilt pattern in a particular colorway might tend to lock you into that particular image and so you will find yourself almost um, subconsciously repeating that particular colorway when you choose to do that pattern not that there's anything wrong with that that might be your favorite colorway fantastic go for it but encourage yourself to look at options this is where uh, electric quilt or a quilting software like that can come in handy. You can redraw the quilt. You can color it in a variety of ways. Actually, Photoshop or photo editing software, you could do the same thing if you're very good with that little eyedropper tool. Um, but that would help you see a, a pattern in different ways, and you'll see what other secondary patterns might emerge as, if you color it differently. I'm also going to be posting in the show notes a couple of different ways of keeping track of your inspiration. Um we talk about quilt journals often that you you know document your quilts after you've made them um, done them but you should 
maybe have a way to actually kind of keep your inspiration ahead of time so that maybe someday, you know, 10 years later, you'll look back at this inspiration notebook or whatever and get an idea for a quilt then. Um, so I'm going to be, I found a couple of uh, possibilities for that and I'll post those in the show blog as well. So here we are, we come up to the creativity challenge that I am going to issue. I am going to post a photo in both the blog for this podcast and for my blogspot.com blog. It'll be in both places. And I'm going to give you one month from the posting of this episode to make some project based on that photo. Doesn't matter what the project is. Doesn't matter how the photo inspires you. I'm going as rule-free as possible on this. You might choose to reproduce the photo in a quilt. If that's what you want to do, you'll have to let me know and I'll send you a photo that you can use for that because I'm going to actually be putting my name on the photo itself when it's posted in the blog. If you want to print the photo and use the photo itself, let me know. I'll send you an original. But if you, you don't have to do that, obviously. You might choose to just be inspired by the photo in terms of subject matter, in terms of colors, shapes, feelings, etc. Whatever. Somehow, some project based somehow on that photo. And you can combine this with other projects. For example, if you're doing maybe O'Brien's tote bag swap, or if you're doing a block swap, or um, any other project, and you just use this photo to inspire whatever you're doing in that project, that is perfectly permissible as well. So again, I'm going to post a photo. I'm giving you one month from the day I'm posting this episode, which will be today, if it kills me, um, Friday, May 7th, and that will give us until June 7th at midnight to send a photo of a project based on that photo. It would also be helpful for me if just as soon as you hear this episode, if you decide you want to do this challenge, just leave a comment or shoot me an email or something to let me know you're doing it, just so I know that there are some folks out there who are doing it, um, and then I'll wait for the photo. Once I get the photos of your completed project, anybody who sends me a photo of a completed project will get their name put in for a drawing for another giveaway. Um, I got lots of good stuff to give away, so I'm going to choose something, and I will do a giveaway um, for anybody who chooses to participate in this challenge. So, again, in summary... I'm going to post a photo. I will give you one month to do a project based on that photo. I don't care what the project is, and I don't care how the photo inspires you. You will, one, just let me know if this is something you want to participate in, and then later, once you've done the project, you will send me a photo of your completed project. Um, Or if you don't want to send a photo, if you want to post the photo to your own blog, just send me the link to your blog entry so that I can see that you've done it. And then anybody who does participate and sends that photo or the link to their blog where they've posted the photo will get their name entered in a drawing for something wonderful. Okay, so again, that's by midnight at June 7th. I have to have received your stuff. So how do you get in touch with me? Here's all the contact info. The show notes for this episode or for this podcast are at http colon slashy slashy quilter.podbean.com. My blog is http colon slashy slashy quilting for the rest of us dot blogspot.com. You can also email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. That's Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. And that's also my Twitter address. You can follow me on Twitter, Sandy Quilts. And please do follow me mostly so I can follow you back because I have a lot more fun reading your tweets than I do reading my own. So please follow me so I can follow you. And then don't forget about Big Tent, please. Um, Join 
Big Tent. Thanks so much to Allison for starting up the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup and for Darla for helping her out so much. Uh, We've got a lot of new subscribers. It's been a lot of fun, so please do join the fun. There is a link right on the podbean.com show notes for this episode. To Big Tent, you have to join the Quiltcast Supergroup first, and then once you're in, you can join any number of subgroups for other quilt podcasts, but hopefully you'll join the one for this Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. And we have some great conversations there. Um, I sometimes will say, hey, I've got an episode coming up on such and such. Can you leave me questions? Just like I just asked you for questions for the appraiser. And anybody who subscribes to the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup by May 15th, will have their names put in for a drawing for a 5-inch square pack um, that I am giving away. And they are very summery fabrics in that square pack, so do make sure you subscribe to the Big Tent group so you can get your name put in for that drawing. I am also working on a Facebook page, but Facebook is not cooperating with me. It keeps freezing up, so that hasn't happened yet, but hopefully by the next episode I'll have that up and running. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I've had a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear your own responses, your own comments. Um, And if you choose to join the challenge, I can't wait to see what happens. Just so you know, by the way, I am also going to be participating in that challenge myself. I don't even know what picture I'm going to choose yet. I'm going to, as soon as I've got this podcast uploading, I'm going to take that time to then go into my photo albums and pull out a photo and put it up. And I'm going to participate in the challenge too. Although my name won't be in for the drawing. So (laughs) never fear, I'm not going to win my own stuff back. All righty, folks, thanks so much for joining me. Have a wonderful Mother's Day weekend and go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 